0: love talk radio good morning good afternoon good evening no matter where you're listening around the world this is Sedona talk radio hello hello everyone this is Helena Steiner Hornstein meeting with you again with my above and beyond program and I welcome everyone who is interested to call in with a question for my guest, who will be introduced in a little bit, to dial in this number 347-324-3293. One more time, 347 324 Three two nine three, and you are all welcome to meet my guest today, who is Anna Maria Hemingway, a good author name. And Anna Maria has written a book about the continuum of life. Uh, it's called "Practicing Conscious Living and Dying: Stories of the Eternal Continuum of Consciousness." Anna Maria, are you there? I am. Hello. Hello, hello, and. I'm so excited about this particular book because I myself work with uh, what shall I call continuum of life, eternity, the eternity, and that we all belong to uh, an eternity, and that is how we can cure even diseases and how we can cure depressions and everything because I go into the past lifetimes and life on the other side. But I'm not going to say much more. I'm going to ask you, tell me about the book and why did you write it?
1: Well, after going through my own mother's dying process with her, which was a really profound experience for me, I realized how in Western cultures, you know, death is now often viewed as the sort of, you know, the ultimate failure when medical intervention or whatever we try and do to prolong life doesn't work anymore.
0: Yeah, that's and right. And so
1: I, um, I became interested um, in actually exploring this whole topic and perhaps helping people to look at death in a different way. So I started to collect stories of people who had had some engagement with death or the dying process you know, such as a near-death experience or after-death communication or being with someone in the dying process or having lost someone. And um, through these stories, I came to see as I was writing the book that, you know, death actually, there's another side of death that perhaps we don't fully appreciate. And it's a side that can actually be very inspirational in helping us Lead a richer, more fulfilling life. So the book is really sort of opening up this whole subject. Um, besides the personal, real life stories that I've collected, I, I've also um, worked at, you know, producing some text material that gives people a lot more information on how to integrate the whole of the dying process from lots of different um, standpoints, philosophical, scientific, mythic, historical, and um, I've tried to present what I like to think of as a sort of book of modern-day parables, perhaps, that show people um, the more expansive side of actually really being curious and looking at what this physical death means rather than
0: just denying it. Yeah. You know, death originally was a good place to go to. And I'm thinking back on European history, and I'm sure you know of that too, how people in the very old, early uh, medieval ages, how they had tough times in Europe. They didn't have enough food and didn't have enough money and they were sick and everything was terrible. So they killed themselves just to to move somewhere else where it was nice and warm and, and they had everything they needed. So it became an epidemic in Europe to kill oneself. And uh, it, it became so bad that the churches started to say we have to put a stop to this. So they began to preach this thing about, oh no, death is bad and it's dark and you would go to the devil and you know everything was so bad about the process of dying so people stopped killing themselves. And I think that lives a little bit where there's still something very terrible to die and we're going through darkness, etc., etc. And I have had my own uh, experience with death. I, I had a, a, an experience when I people thought I was dying at the hospital. And I remember that so well as being so, wow, I felt so warm in a strange way. And I went through all those colors. And it was like I was lifted higher and higher into a bright, cloudy white light. And it felt so good somehow. And then it, I began to sink down and heard all the voices around me, and I ended up with all the nurses and doctors <laughs> around me. But I remember that particular moment of peace that happened when I just was lifted up, and how wonderful that was. And I can only imagine how the rest of it would be also. Mm-hmm. Well, your yes, your story is very
1: similar, Um to the near death experience stories that I've collected that are actually in the book, because you know most people, or all the people I've spoken to anyway, express this same <clears throat> um, almost joy and, and bliss. You know they they feel themselves, um, whatever you would like to call the inner spirit or essence, rises above the body. Often people can see their own. You know supposedly, dead body on an operating table or at the scene of an accident. And they do come forth into this most brilliant light and, you know, experience
0: this overwhelming, unconditional love. And it was such a wonderful feeling. So you feel, what can we learn from? What can these experiences teach us? Well, I think story is probably the most
1: powerful way that as human beings we communicate with each other. You know, that's why we have all this mythic structure in our lives and, you know, we have all these very ancient myths and the near-death experience is is sort of containing, you know, a very sacred teaching which I believe is, is to be reacquainted with the fact that, you know, death is a transition from the physical body into the world of spirit and that a continuum does continue at this moment of physical death, that consciousness does exist in another form. And I think the near-death experiences, um, you know, to start off with, they have this amazing experience in which they're often given information, um, often have enhanced abilities when they return, like healing abilities or telepathic abilities, but more than anything else, they have this unshakable belief in this continuum and their lives are transformed forever. It's not sort of a, a change that just happens after an experience and then, you know, people just go back to their old ways. There seems to be a permanent change within these people. And so I think what they come back to teach us is, you know, what's really important in life. Most of them find a very unique meaning, a mission for this lifetime and live their lives very differently. Um, They're all certain that love is the most important thing to share with their fellow beings And in some way they're radically changed. Perhaps this, you know, near-death experience is almost sort of killing off the old self and rebirthing a new self that is more aligned with these principles. And that affects obviously the way they live their lives and hearing their stories or, you know, listening to people who have something very important like this message to tell us i think people are very curious they want to hear the stories and that actually the stories can help change their own lives even if they're not a person that has had a near-death
0: experience themselves yeah and i feel also when you've had that experience you have somehow touched or been touched by a higher frequency and that higher frequency is that uh, uh, spirituality that opens you up. So when we come back to this little lower uh, frequency, which is this world here today around us, we are still open, have still been opened up by this higher frequency. Well, this is the way I see it and the way I look at it from my own angle. Uh, When you spoke to your mother and she was on the other side, how was that? What, What did she say and how did it feel for you? Well,
1: my mother's mother's dying process was um, a very long and painful um, period for my entire family and uh, I think like everyone, you know, when we lose somebody that we are very close to and love a lot, um, it's a terrible traumatic loss because as human beings, you know, we have our emotional responses to things and I think... It's the idea more of losing that physical presence in um, one's life, and for me, when my mother actually made her transition, um, you know, we all retained memories uh, of somebody still, you know, fighting for life and having become very sick, and as the, you know, the body sort of as the body decays. I mean, it's all a very difficult process and shortly after my mother's death i i had a dream and i got out of bed in this dream and in front of me was standing my mother oh and i you know she was so close i could almost feel the woollen hair she had on a jacket that she'd worn a lot a woollen jacket she'd worn a lot in the last few months of her life and i, I could almost feel the fiber And I knew sort of in an instant that if I took my eyes off her, that she would, you know, disappear. Mm -hmm. So I followed her and we were walking along a sort of corridor and um, she turned round when we got to a doorway and put her hand up and said, I couldn't come any further. And I was a little upset by that because she still looked as frail and weak as she'd done, you know, before she died. And then she pointed into another doorway, and as I looked through the doorway, she was lying on a bed, and she was young and pretty and had a, you know, lovely dress on and had a look of deep contentment on her face. And <clears throat> I suddenly realized, you know, that what her message was, and her message was, She didn't want me to remember her as she was in her final days. She actually wanted me to see her as she was or is now. And it had such a profound effect on me because I think, you know, people say, well, how do you know it's an um, after-death communication and not a dream? And the answer is because if you've had one of these experiences, you know for sure, you know, they're so vivid, so vibrant, And the memory, you retain the memory. And so it's um, it's very, very different from the ordinary kind of dream.
0: Oh, and yes, usually, absolutely.
1: Usually we get some kind of message,
0: you know. And this was definitely the message for me. Yeah. And that's a wonderful story. And I noticed myself in my sessions, you know, with as a medium, that when I meet with those on the other side, they are always so happy. And they're dancing and they're, you know, moving and smiling and laughing. And uh, they look so young. And some people, you know, I've seen the way they looked when they were old and sick and had no idea how they looked when they were younger. And then when I tell their families, oh, I saw your grandmother and she had blonde hair and it was all long. And they say, well, how did you know that's how she used to look like? And uh, so you go back to at your very best when you are on the other side, so to speak. And one thing which I'm sure you agree with is that people are happy when they're dead. And it's just for us who are left here behind, for us it's very, very hard, isn't it? We have to be probably more generous in allowing them to be where they are and realize that they are happy where they are. And it's harder for us, of course, because we miss them.
1: Yes, I think it's exactly that. Um, You know, I, I think often that, you know, we would all agree that sometimes when a person, you know, is nearing the end of this phase of earthly existence, they are needing and wanting to leave, and often they stay on longer because we don't want them to go, Uh, but um, that they are, you know, they are going to be in a a much, much better space. And of course, you know, as I said earlier, you know, grief and and suffering in the death of of a loved one you know, is a very painful process because we do miss that person and we can't actually physically have them with us. But I think if we try and expand our whole awareness of death and, and perhaps be able to come to view it as part of a natural cycle of of life, that um, we we can sort of come to the place where we see death as a transition in a continuum of consciousness that um we can we can feel better about the fact that our loved one still exists and you know after death communication isn't just a rare thing as you you know you well know. I think people
0: receive subtle signs every day but all the time and also yeah. yeah. You know, when you have dogs and cats at home and someone has passed on in that family, the dogs and cats can show you that someone is present. And uh, I know that when my when I've been widowed three times. Actually, the first two times I was married, they, were, they died, and the third, the third one died after we had divorced. But um, I have met with all of them after uh, their deaths. And I remember the uh, second one, and he died at Easter, And he said before, oh, I want to to celebrate Easter with you, and uh, it didn't happen. But he was there for Easter brunch, you know, he was there. (laughs) And there was no question about it. And I remember we had guests, and we were setting the table, and we somehow always made another, set up another plate, another glass, without realizing it. And the cat came and... Like she always said, she used to love him very much and jump up on on his lap, and she did the same thing as if he'd been sitting there in his chair, Mm
1: -hmm. and it was
0: amazing to see that. Mm. Yes, and I I think, again,
1: you know, um, after-death communication is something that perhaps people don't um, often speak about and, you know, might think it's their imagination or whatever, but I've yet to meet someone, actually, who hasn't experienced something. It might not even necessarily be an after-death communication, but something that has had a profound effect on their lives. And, you know, they can't rationally explain. And I know when my own mother died that the night of her funeral, um, I had come back and I was staying in my parents' house and as I was walking up the stairs, just in one small area of the landing I could smell my mother's perfume and it was so overpowering
0: and just in this
1: one small space. But this is the kind of thing that, you know, will often happen after somebody has made their transition. And um, as I say, you know, we need to kind of like really be aware of all these little subtle messages or synchronicities that really try to get our attention
0: you know can't you tell us the name of your book again and how people can get it and where they can buy it yes the book is called practicing
1: conscious living and dying it's published by o books and um the book can be purchased through any good bookstore in the english-speaking world and europe or it can be ordered through any of the Amazon.com um, sites worldwide, or it can be ordered from
0: wwwo bookscom Okay, and if anyone would like to get hold of you, do you have an email address you would like them to to reach you at? Yes, my email address
1: is w. Is uh, sorry, Anna Maria Hemingway, which is A W N A M A R I A H E M I N G W A Y at gmail.com and I have a website that actually gives more information on the book and lists the reviews and endorsements and tells people how to get a copy of it and people can go to www.practicing.com consciouslivinganddying.com if they want um, any further information, or, or they can just Google me and, and you know, my webpage Great.
0: will come up. Great. And again, I see there are several listeners, many listeners here, so if you want to dial in, dial 347, area code, three two four three two nine three. Don't hesitate for any questions. And I would like to tell you a story about one of my husbands (laughs) again, who, uh, you know, we had a very nice and lovely marriage. And we joked about this, well, if you die first, you have to come back and tell me how it is. And uh, I said that to him, and he said that to me, and we, of course, decided that no one of us was going to die, you know, that soon. But then he did die. And uh, one night after his death, he, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there he was. And this was not a dream. This was a vision. This was a reality. He was right there in the middle of the big bed, in our bed. And it was the whole room was full of light, and it felt so warm. And he looked at me and said in his way, Hello. <laughs> and I kind of burst out, but you are dead. You know, And then I realized, but he wasn't. He was right there with me. And it was probably one of the most wonderful moments of my life when someone that I loved so much was back again with me and I could embrace him. It was so wonderful. But after that, he came back every night, or I don't know if there were days in between, but he came back and he came back one night after the other. And during that time, I forgot to eat. I forgot to drink water. I just, in a way, faded away. And people asked me, What's going on here? You're, it seems you're, you're just fading away. And uh, they said also that my skin became so transparent and I started to look more and more angelic. And what I didn't realize, I was pulled in on the other side with happiness, in a way, but I just allowed myself to be pulled in with him. And then one day he said, come with me. You know, it's so beautiful here. We will be so happy. It's so wonderful. And everything is great. Everything is my dream over here. And I said, no. And after that, he never came back again. And I have that in my book, which you can also get on Amazon.com and in in any bookstore. Ask for it. called Constant Awakening. But this is, again, why I'm so interested in the subject, Anna Maria, because it, this is a continuum. We're living here, and we're living continuously. What do you say about that?
1: Yes, I, I think so. And um, from my own experience, I think a similar sort of psychic energy is um, <clears throat> activated through the dying process that although you know we go through all the grief and suffering with somebody that actually if we make a conscious decision to be fully present with that person on their journey we actually can come into contact with this same sort of psychic energy you know because the person that is dying as you were saying is sort of like got one foot in the other world and one foot here and I think what death does is it strips away everything that is unimportant. And, you know, as a person makes is making their transition, you know, they relinquish a lot of ego-based um, attachments, which is, you know, how we all tend to, to
0: live, really. Um, yes, in modern that age is society. so true. You think differently on the other side, don't you?
1: Yeah, and I think... Um, you know deathbed visions, for example, which I've written about in my book, are uh, you know another phenomenon that um is is happening all the time. My mother certainly had visitors from other realms shortly before. She made her transition. Uh-huh. How, how soon before her transition
0: did she have those? Um,
1: about six weeks, and at the time I didn't realise that that is often um, the case—a six mm-hmm. to eight weeks, or, or you know, a shorter period—is often when these visitors will make themselves known. And and
0: what kind of visitors are they?
1: Well, for my mother, it was deceased family members and some people that she didn't recognize. But she had been very unwell and hardly speaking or anything. But one morning, you know, when I was talking to her, she was really, you know, very sort of full of wanting to tell me what had happened in the night and, you know, very excited and animated. And she told me that these people had had come and that they told her that they were going to take her to the most beautiful place with the most beautiful garden and you know that was interesting for me because gardening was her passion and um, they continued to be around her for I think up until she died and again I think this is this is not uncommon you know many hospice workers will actually experience these visions with people they're working with whereas again you know, often we're told, oh well, it's just hallucinations, or you know, the person's on medication, or whatever. Yeah. And again, we don't enter into what's actually happening at that moment, and um, we can ignore we can ignore this. But you know, there are um, details supposedly that Jesus himself um, visited Mary to tell her that he would be coming for her. Um he came several hours before her death to tell her that he would be escorting her, taking her over. So I think you know all these things that we're talking about they have um they're very sacred principles that have existed from time immemorial, and um that it it's because we've lost connection to the rhythms of the natural world to the rhythms of our own life cycle that perhaps we're not really fully engaged in what's happening, but we're getting, you know, all of this sort of information all the time.
0: We do. And, you know, in in all these uh, dimensions, uh, we, uh, you know, it's like with the healing process and, and the medical intuitive process that I'm involved with, that we are getting into dimensions that are not part of the logic And, uh, of course, this is more a feminine uh, talent. uh, And because it is a more feminine talent, it's rejected in a way because the women have been told it's not worth anything. But then I'm saying, no, this is fantastic. All great creations are coming from that particular space, you know, from spirituality. Everything was created from imagination in a way. Yes, it's yeah, it's it just a higher dimension of us that we are accessing in the process. Yes, and I, I think, you know, when I say, when I refer to this psychic sensitivity
1: that, you know, is around during the, the dying process, that's exactly what I'm referring to, the, this sacred feminine energy it is present. Everything else might be going on around as well, but, you know, if we can tune into that, Um, we can experience that energy and it's interesting to me you know because often people will come away even if they're very fearful or have had you know a a lot of problems in in coming to terms with death and dying of a loved one it's surprising how many people use the words afterwards like peaceful beautiful profound sacred you know and that and that this energy has They have come into contact with this energy during this transition phase. And, of course, one, you know, perhaps might not expect those kind of descriptive words. But I think that, you know, death really does teach us. It is the supreme teacher in a way. And by denying its very reality, we sort of are losing, we are losing a a lot of connection to you know the fullness of of the human
0: spirit yes and so you actually are very much describing that we are part of a continuum and i would call that continuum the eternity mm-hmm. and uh, i remember the way back and uh, when i uh, i lived somewhere in europe and my grandmother died in uh, sweden and uh, I was told by my, uh, I think I was even married at the time, and I was told by my then husband and his family, oh, well, this is just part of life. Look at it as part of life. I didn't like to hear that at the time because I was sorry and I was grieving. And uh, so for that reason at the time, it was not the right thing to hear. But, of course, that was exactly the way I felt. You know, this was... Uh, part of life and the way I realized it was afterwards. And, of course, then as I grew older and saw death in a different way and when I saw those husbands disappear and come back again after they were dead, you know, it was just a different thing. So uh, how do you feel that people are receiving this message? Do, Do you feel they believe it or they feel it's just like imagination?
1: Well, what I try and, and do in the book, um, you know, I, I'm very much sort of into the idea of reconnecting with, uh, with nature and the natural world actually helps us reacquaint ourselves with our, with our own part in creation. And I think we're constantly surrounded by um, images in the natural world all the time that give us the same theme of birth, death and resurrection you know easter is coming soon again for many people the actual meaning of easter is lost but we are coming to that place you know of spring and easter and and the same theme birth death resurrection so there's an awful lot of pointers around if we actually care to look for them and um i've had a very positive response you know often people have sort of begun by saying, oh, I don't know that I'd want to read a book about death and dying, and then, you know, have have actually read the book and found it to be very inspirational and and motivating about life. And, you know, that's the reason I wrote it, to sort of try and break through that barrier of, of this place that we won't go to in order to see actually how it might kind of help us really expand our awareness. Um, you know, we, we seem to be very bogged down in in this material world. Sometimes it almost feels as though people really believe that the earth is still flat in a way and they're just going to topple over the top. Well, you, you know, know I because... feel many
0: people still believe it. <laughs> you know, yes. Sometimes I get so irritated by people who just want to remain remain in the old box. They just refuse to to peek out and see that there is something outside of the box, so I know what you're saying about this, and that's why I asked the question: How do people feel about it? And uh, you always have those know-it-alls, uh, usually maybe a little bit younger men. <laughs> I don't believe in this, but to have it, you know, once you have seen death, and once you have been out there and know a little bit more, and I hear that from soldiers also been out in the battlefield, they have. They come to realize a few more things than what they thought it was before they went out there. So uh, now, uh, death is actually part of death of life, and I think we should look at life as something very, very valuable. Just like you say, we should really enjoy this life so much more than many of us do. You know, we have all the opportunities in the world to enjoy life. Uh, And uh, once you get a little older, you know, i would notice my God, life is very, very short. We should really start to enjoy what we have here. Life is very short, and that's what you realize when you're getting a little older. My God, you know, how time flies. (laughs) And uh, once you get older, time goes a little bit faster, too. But I'd like to tell you a story about uh, a friend of mine in Germany, and her father was dying, and He'd just been old and weak, and he he more or less decided it's time to go, you know. So he, he just didn't get out of bed anymore. But he wasn't unhappy about it. He just stayed in bed and said he was tired. And then he said to the family, you know, I think it feels like it's time to go. So the whole family got together. There were several children, and they all were there sitting at his so-called deathbed. And, of course, he was uh, not feeling well in, uh, physically either, but he was just going. He was just leaving. And then they, they began to feel sorry. And then he said, oh, my God, no, you know, this is such a wonderful time for for me and for everyone else. You know, I know mother, mommy, who was the, his wife, who had passed on a little earlier. She's waiting for me. I can feel she's here right now. And he said, "I'm so happy. This is such a wonderful thing. We should celebrate my passing on." And uh, then he left. He just died. He passed on. And everyone said, after he'd passed on, it was like light everywhere in the room, and was the feeling was so wonderful and so joyous and so fantastic. So everyone went back to their homes afterwards and said, wow, isn't this beautiful? This was a wonderful experience, and Daddy is so happy now, you know. And they just knew he was happy where he was.
1: Yes, and um, I think that's a very wonderful story, you know, and perhaps that's how it was more in the olden days um, anyway, because I think, you know, one of the problems for us is that we live very isolated lives now. Um, in days gone past, elder family members would live with the family, and um, you know, death and dying were more a part of of, of life. Um, perhaps children didn't all survive childhood illnesses, and I and I think that you know, people were much more accepting and able to deal with death and dying as being a part of this natural cycle, but, you know, we have become very disconnected, and, and we we have new gods now, you know, money, power, that have taken place of perhaps, you know, old belief systems, but
0: I often yes. find it interesting. And also, we have a medication to make everything much longer, and, you know, we have... We are in hospitals, and and I remember when my last husband, we divorced, uh, and then he died. (laughs) And um, I was with him, you know, when he, not the moment when he died, but the day before he died. And he was definitely going to pass on. There was no question about it. And we had such a wonderful time together. Uh, with his, a couple of his children, including the child we had had together. And it was such a beautiful closure. And I think this is something we should do. Uh, I did that with my mother also before she died, but she died in a different country, so I called her up. I had the urge to talk to her before she died and to thank her for everything that she had done for me and given me. And it meant so much for me to be able to say this and it meant so much for her to hear this. And I think we should not be afraid of calling up those old parents that we have somewhere or someone else that we have liked uh, having around us but is now lying on the deathbed and just tell them how much we have enjoyed that togetherness with us and how much we enjoy them as people and be grateful for that time uh, but anyway, with my ex-husband, uh, what I couldn't believe, here we had a nice time together, and the nurses came and said, oh, we have, to, we have to take you down to the lab. And I said, what for? Oh, we have to give him these shots and everything. And I said, why? You should give him a bottle of champagne instead, you know. I couldn't believe what our cult- culture is doing to, to dying people, and I was so upset about that. And I said he like a drink, you know. No, that doesn't go with the medication. And I said, to heck, you know, with your medication. It's better that he has a good drink and feels happy, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, that was upsetting for the hospital, but that was how we, with the family, felt, you know. And I feel that what we are doing to the process of dying is is more. It's technical and full of fear, instead of getting acquainted with what you're saying, what is continuing afterwards
1: yes yes well you know i um i often say to people you know who who seem to kind of find it hard to relate to this com- continuum of consciousness um thought process that you know if we um look up into the sky at night and and we see the moon come out or We see the sun setting, and and we just kind of get into that place in our own imagination when we realize that actually, you know, the earth is a similar globe or sphere just in the universe, you know, in this timeless space. And um, I think it gives us a much better idea of the fact that, you know, space, even even just thinking about the fact that space is a continuum. You know, it goes on forever, it's timeless, and, and we are suspended out in that space. We're not actually concretely, you know, entrenched down here. I think people often tend to sort of look up there and think, up there and we're down here. But, you know, just changing our view of 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 um, seeing, you know, actually what's going on, in in space that we are a part of this continuum as our planet is part of this continuum can actually help people, you know, change their awareness of of what all this might mean, this idea of a continuum.
0: Yeah, and uh, I heard a wise man once say, well, if you are down, if you feel depressed and you feel that everything is against you, just go out and look at the star-filled sky and know that you are just on one of those stars. (laughs) And that makes your problems so small. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's about it. I'm going to do uh, what I call my healing meditation now, and uh, we'll see how long it will be. So, Ana Maria, stay on just in case uh, we end the meditation. Uh, very quickly, but otherwise, I'd like to thank you so very much for coming here to be my guest on the show, the above and the beyond. And I feel this subject very much fits into this, the above and the beyond. What do you feel? I
1: think so very much. I think it is the above and beyond, actually, and that um, you know, it's so helpful for people to have these um, these places where things like this are discussed and, um, you know, gives them something to to think about, and and like you say, I I think once we try and get into this more expanded sort of idea of this continuum of consciousness, it does change the way we live and the way we view our life, and I think that death and dying, you know, perhaps is the greatest teacher of all, so for anyone that, you know, wants to know more or interested, perhaps they might like to get a copy of the book and, explore it further, too.
0: I think so. And I see there's a caller who wants to come in right now. I hope we can get through. Are you there, area code 404? Yes, hi. Hi. And what is your name, your first name? Raina. Raina. Okay, do you have a question for our guest or for me? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I tuned in late, so I don't know if you've already talked about it, but what about... Those people who choose to end their life for no reason we see but they see. What yes. do you feel about the right to end disillusion or you know? And I and Maria, may I take this question first, and maybe you can oh, fill in later. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as in my work uh, as a medium and as a healer and so on, I. Um, I have come across that a few times, and I talked to Ana Maria before the show about this also, that people seem very happy when they have passed over on the other side, but not necessarily those who have taken their own lives. They regret it. They feel and they know that they have hurt the people who are left behind, and they regret that. And some of these people have killed themselves in terrible ways, you know, where their physical bodies actually was blown up one or the way or the other. They have been so ashamed; it's like they've been standing in the shadow. And I have talked to them, and I brought them out of the shadow, and I have sent them a lot of light, and they have now begun to 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 transform from the darkness into the light, and we have then kind of raised them higher and higher, and they have gone into the light. So those souls have been okay, but in the beginning they were in darkness because they did this for the wrong reason, and. Uh, So that's the way I have seen it, you know, as a medium. And also there have been uh, questions about, and I can say that, if you have a problem in this lifetime, it's because you have to heal it here. You will not get over your problem once you are because of death. And that's what these people who have killed themselves have realized once they were on the other side, and that's why they regret it. But then... They received the forgiveness and the unconditional love through the light that has been sent to them, and they were okay. They were okay. So for them, it was a process that they had to continue on the other side. And that was an important one. Otherwise, they would come back here, or they would come back and haunt maybe certain places. And that we see, you know. I'm very, very familiar with haunting energies. And uh, these are simply energies who have not found peace, who didn't know they had died or who had died in a way they were regretting. And uh, did this answer a little bit your question? Maybe anna Maria wants to fill in.
1: Um well, what I um, have got from my research is that um, certainly people who have had a near-death experience that have been trying to take their own lives um, and have returned, you know, haven't been successful, have abandoned any ideas of of further trying to commit suicide. And, you know, one person who's actually in my book did say that, you know, they they realized that actually life was to be lived. I think a little bit like Helena was saying that, um, you know, while there is physical life in the body, it is meant to be lived on this earthly plane and that, um, you know, perhaps being able to overcome whatever the obstacle is to actually making the most of that life is something that has to be worked through here. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, my, my people who I've spoken to have said was that, once they realized that they were in this unconditional love during their near death experience, it sort of changed their perceptiveness about what life was about anyway. And having once experienced that that unconditional love, you know, they returned with
0: a with a different way of of seeing life in general. And this is very true, and many people who have been in process of killing themselves, have been brought back again. They have been so grateful for that experience that they came to see what it was really about, that you're meant to live your life here at your fullest and really enjoy it, and that we somehow picked up a plan with certain problems and difficulties, and we have to live through this plan. We are supposed to heal ourselves and get over what our problems were and if someone has had trouble with for instance money uh, yes then uh, it comes back if you kill yourself because of money so thank you very much for uh, for your question and uh, Ana Maria now we are going to, to continue to go to the meditation I don't see another caller coming in right now so thank you so much again, Anna Maria, for, for your book, <laughs> for, for being on the show. And uh, please go and buy uh, Anna Maria Hemingway's book at the closest bookstore you can find. Thank you very much, Anna Maria Hemingway. Thank you. And now we're going to do the, the meditation, the healing meditation. Thank you so much. And now all of you who are listening and who want to take a little moment to relax, Take a deep breath and sit down where you can hear my voice and you begin to relax now more and more and more and more. And you know that within you there is a place that knows all and sees all and that place is the eternity within you that is your inner light and you begin to relax now. More and more and more and more. And you take a deep breath and know that within you, you have this power, this light, that light of the eternity that knows all and sees all. And that is the truth of the one you are. You are so relaxed now. So very, very relaxed. You take a deep breath, and you just imagine yourself far, far away in a place where you feel safe. Yes, you feel so safe. All about you is so relaxed and so safe, so absolutely safe. You are so relaxed now, so very, very relaxed. And you know that within you, you have that light. And that light is your best friend. It's a friend in the light. And you feel how that light in your chest area is now beginning to shine. It shines more and more and more all throughout your body. And should there be a place within your body that needs some extra healing touch, that light of yours, that unconditional loving light is now going to that particular place in your body that needs that extra healing touch. You are so relaxed now. So very, very relaxed. And you are now watching a star-filled sky filled with twinkling stars all around you and all above you. You are so relaxed now. So very, very relaxed. Yes, you have the power. And the power is right there within you. And you take a deep breath and you connect with that healing light within you, that light for inspiration, for creativity, for good health, for good fortune. And now the whole sky is turning into one big white light and it's opening up and it's sending you a ray of white light and you are receiving This light, you're receiving harmony and good wishes. You're receiving unconditional love. And that unconditional love is entering your body. It goes right into your chest area where it swirls around. And it awakens that loving touch within you. Yes, you love this light. You love the light, and the light is shining all around you and all within you. You are so relaxed now, so very, very relaxed. You take a deep breath, and you know who you are. You are a child of the light, and as a child of the light, you know You know now that all is beginning to be well within you and around you. You are so at ease. You are so grateful. And you look around you and everything around you is turned into one big, beautiful garden. You don't have to visualize this garden. You just know it's right there for you. And you sit down in this garden, and it feels so wonderful to be there in your garden. Everything around you, everything around you has been created by you and your own imagination. Yes, you know now who you are. You're a child of the light. And all about you is in the light. You feel so alive. You feel so well. You feel so powerful. You feel so youthful and so incredibly healthy. This very, very moment you are overwhelmed by a feeling of joy. And that joy is now getting stronger and stronger and stronger within you. Yes, that feeling of joy, of light, is now so overwhelmingly beautiful within you and around you. And now you stretch your body and slowly, slowly, You will open your eyes on the count of seven. Number one, you feel that you have found a new foundation for you, a foundation of good health, of love, of power, of a genuine feeling for what life is about. Number two, you have a partner. That partner is called I Am the Light. And that light within you and that light around you is your partner. You are so relaxed now, so very, very relaxed. You know who you are. You're a child of the light. Number three, the light is shining within you and around you right now. Number four, you love this light. You truly, truly love this light. All about you is now loving light. And you feel so good about you. You feel so good about all and everything. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I am. And the loving light is shining within Number four. Number five. You know that this is so. You truly know that this is so. Number six. And you are now almost there. Now, number seven. You slowly open your eyes and stretch your arms. And you stretch your back and your legs and you begin to feel how light is all around you still. And it's going to stay there with and around you for a little while longer. And any time you so desire, you will ask the light to come down upon you and you will tune in with this light one more time. It's always there for you. And you're so grateful that you have now found your connection to the eternity within you. That is the life within you. That is the true life force within you. And now you are ready to continue your day. And I thank you all so very much. And Anna Maria, you are still there? I am. And I thank you so very much also for today. And be back next week at the same time at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, 12 noon California time. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Stephen Halpern. The music didn't get through on my switchboard here. I tried to play it a little bit in the background here from my own recorder, and I'm not sure you heard that. Thank you very much, everyone. This is Helena Steiner-Hornstein with the Above and Beyond, and my homepage is www.speakingtoyourheart.com or bodysoulconnection.com. Thank you very, very much. You can also reach me at faith Healing, faith-healing.com, faith hyphenhealing.com. Thank you everyone and see you next week. Bye bye.